This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. Quay, hello, I'm Glenn Wheeler and welcome to episode 255. At the last meeting of Halibut Chief and Council, we viewed a map of the many traditional Mi'kmaq areas on what is now known as the island of Newfoundland. These areas have been largely untouched in terms of archaeological research. What information lies waiting to be found about the story of our people on this land? If ever we bring a land claim, long overdue in the view of many, that archaeological evidence will be crucial. But can we save it from the forces of industrial development rolling over Indigenous land in Newfoundland, elsewhere in Mi'kma'ki, and across the continent we call Turtle Island? Many of the areas on the Halibu map are slated for wind turbines or mines. Mi'kmaq people here and across Mi'kma'ki are on the front lines of a universal struggle to save our land from being sacrificed for hasty, unproven responses to climate change. Whether wind turbines, hydrogen power, or lithium for electric vehicles, the story is the same. We need right now what's on your land, and we need to take shortcuts through the environmental process. According to a recent article in the U.S. publication Indian Country Today, there are more than 200 projects across the globe described as land-grabbing and harmful to Indigenous peoples. The largest known lithium deposit in the United States is on Indigenous territory, and a Canadian company trying to mine it faces opposition from an Indigenous group called People of the Red Mountain that is defending the land at Thacker Pass. Let's bring this story back closer to home. In the last episode, we told you about the Bearhead Hydrogen and Ammonia Project in Nova Scotia, approved in a lickety split 30 days. One of the groups that expressed concern about the hasty OK was KMKNO, the office that works on behalf of the MIGBA of Nova Scotia in discussions with the province and the government of Canada on how the MIGBA of Nova Scotia will implement their treaty rights. The hydrogen to ammonia plant will be built on what is already a heavily industrialized area in that part of Unamagi or Cape Breton near Point Tupper. Though the project has been approved, Camp Cano will be working with the developer to do crucial archaeological research while there's still a chance. We spoke with Twyla Gaudet, Director of Consultation for KMK, and Patrick Butler, Senior Mi'kmaq Energy and Mines Advisor. Twyla Gaudet first explained the tripartite negotiating process in place in Nova Scotia. For those listening, I, our process in Nova Scotia, I mean, we've been able to develop and implement a consultation process. So over the last many years, uh, through the Made in Nova Scotia process, we've uh, developed a terms of reference for Mi'kmaq Nova Scotia Canada consultation terms of reference process. So through that process, we work in parallel with the proponents 
but also that that uh, onus, that constitutional duty to consult with the Mi'kmaq lies with Crown, uh, based on various case law and and such. So when when consulting with the Crown on um, projects that may potentially um, impact Mi'kmaq rights and title, we're looking to see uh, what what they may be impacting. And archaeology is certainly a priority. It's a non-renewable resource that once it's extracted, it's it's irreplaceable. Uh, so the, you know, having more and more diligent archaeology in the province of Nova Scotia is certainly a priority for not only our office, but also our leadership. So when we're looking at particular projects, you know, we're we're looking to see if that area has been you know, heavily developed in the past, but also even when it has been heavily developed, we were able to, through, um, you know, more archaeological investigation, we're able to learn more from the site. We're able to learn more if there was, you know, traditional use in, uh, in previous instances, even though it may be heavily developed, heavily used, uh, you know, throughout the years, development has displaced, um, our community members from continuing to practice traditional use activities in those areas. So when we're asking for more archaeology or, you know, updated archaeology or archaeological resource impact assessments, we're looking really to see if we can learn more from the site through through what what may be there or what, or what may not be there. Right. So there is a knowledge there in uh, in the form of archaeological material that might be lost. The knowledge might be lost if it's uh, dug up, developed, uh, destroyed before uh, the archaeological materials are are found. Exactly. Exactly. And we know, you know, the project has received its um, its uh, provincial approvals, you know, last uh, last month in April. Um, but we do know that updating that archaeological resource impact assessment, um, that is a condition of their approval. So that's something that there will still need to be more work done. Mm. Now, um, one of the things uh, they said was that uh, uh, this area had uh, unfavorable conditions, extreme weather, a lot of wind. So there wouldn't have been you know, Mi'kmaq people hear very much. Uh, so that was a, that was a, a basis for them to, uh, to kind of lowball the archaeological uh, significance. Does that fit with what we know about um, traditional Mi'kmaq life? Because of course, people would have traveled uh, inland during the winter, close to the water in the summer. So what do you think of that reasoning on the proponent's part as expressed in the, in the document? I can, I, I can, Kind of understand their line of thinking, but yet, you know, we know that anywhere along any waterways, rivers, the bays, any, any, anywhere close to the water, um, that was a traveling route, traveling system uh, for the Mi'kmaq. So we, uh, we just need to look more closely at it. Mm. So, um, so what are the next steps then? As you say, the, uh, the project has been approved. Uh, it was approved very quickly. Um, many uh, people who made comments uh, complained about the the very brief uh, review period. But leaving that aside, it's been approved. So, how do you, from your point of view, uh, how do you want 
the process to unfold now? Mm -hmm. So there's kind of two lines of communication. We're continuing with that consultation with the Crown. So we know, again, there's still some more work to do. The proponent, while they've received their, you know, their EA approval, there's still a number of terms and conditions that come along with that approval. So those have to be um, not only addressed, but uh, consulted on throughout the process. So, you know, we've, we've got some uh, more work to do with, uh, you know, with the um, community liaison committee being formed, as well as, you know, a number of monitoring plans that need to be developed. Uh, so we'll be looking closely at that and keeping an eye on those things as they're, um, they're developed. And then, you know, more along the engagement piece with the proponent that, line of uh, work also will continue. No, our archaeology team always reviews the um, section of the EAs that focus on archaeology. And something they did have concern with is the current ARIA is from 2003. So that's not really up to date in our terms. And also there was no shovel testing. So you're not getting that confirmation or lack of, of historical use, right? So we were very encouraged to see as part of the terms and conditions that an updated ARIA is expected to be completed. So that will hopefully include shovel testing and try to get some more data or lack thereof um, for the project area. And tell us about that shovel testing, because uh, I, I guess we're dealing with uh, very delicate materials that you have to sort of proceed very carefully, look, um, because once, uh, you know, uh, a bulldozer is there, you know, it's kind of game over. So what, tell us about that work. It sounds to be very detailed and uh, deliberate. Yeah, like uh, our archaeology team isn't uh, on the call right now. Um, like we're not archaeologists, but, um, you know, it's um, it's getting that evidence and getting those baseline samples before the work commences. I think so, like our office was also concerned that the, up, that the current area goes back to the LNG uh, part of the project where it was um, a natural gas plant prior to that. So I don't think the level of detail needed at that point was up to the standard that we currently hold the province to now. And tell us a little bit about the, uh, the general um, situation regarding uh, land in the province, because of course, uh, as development is taking place, a lot of the areas that could be traditional use areas where people, I guess, perhaps have cabins, you know, they do their hunting, uh, a place to live a traditional big mile life. I guess those places are being taken up as development uh, increases. So there's a, a steady a steady pressure on um, on land available for, for traditional use. It is an issue going forward, Glenn. It's, um, you know, like you said, there's uh, not, a lot, a, a not a lot of land available in Nova Scotia. And it's um, certainly we've heard from the leadership is that they're they're not anti-development, they're not against development, but certainly want to make sure that it's done in a sustainable way. Um, that you know ultimately our goals are to avoid any impacts to Mi'kmaq rights and title, um, and uh, projects that are environmentally conscious. Uh, so we understand you know Bearhead Energy has kind of modifi modified and rejuvenated the project, you know, looking at a different way forward that may perhaps be more environmentally friendly. Like I said, there's a number of things that um, we still need to follow up on in terms of the terms and conditions that will need to be fulfilled. 
So there's uh, still some more work to be done. There's still some more work to be done with the proponent as well. So um, I don't think this is the the end of the story. That's for sure. And when you uh, meet with the proponent, um, are you meeting, is the province present also, or do you do you have a committee of uh, KMK, KMKNO and the proponent itself, just the two, just the two parties? Yeah, those are two separate lines of communication. They, they can sometimes cross paths. You might, you may expect no one knows the um, project details like the pro, like the proponent. So oftentimes we will request a proponent to come in and present details of their project um, in the consultation process. But for the most part, it's a separate conversation. And Patrick, what uh, there's uh, just looking at the uh, at the news from Nova Scotia, I guess you're a busy guy these days because there's a lot happening in uh, in energy and mind. So is this a, is this kind of like a high activity period uh for you in the province in terms of uh, those sectors, energy and mines? Absolutely. Like we're, we're seeing the, the provincial and federal governments push for those net zero targets in 2030 and 2050. And we are seeing a lot of environmental assessments come through and the approvals as well coming very quickly after. I think there's at one point there was 12 active energy and mining projects at one point this year. So it's been very busy. Thankfully, we've got a great technical team. We've got a really good, strong um, relationship built with the Crown, as well as proponents generally want to engage the Mi'kmaq. They want to engage with the leadership. And we're always happy to support those efforts. I think this is a phenomenon uh, across Turtle Island, you know, maybe even around the world, where there's um, a lot of pressure on Indigenous land, because that's where the materials are. And uh, there's a lot of um, urgency now because of climate change to get those materials. But um, slow down. Um, you you don't have uh, uh, right and title to these lands necessarily. So there's uh, a bit of a um, a bit of a moment that we have to deal with in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And especially the Strait of Canso itself. Like you know, we've got Bearhead, we've got Everwind, Maritime Launch, Signal Gold are all in this area. So. Cumulative impacts is always something we're also looking at, and that's something we've relayed to Environment and Climate Change and the Office of Illinois Affairs. So it, it's a lot happening very quickly, so it's just trying to keep on top of these files. We were speaking with Twyla Gadette, Director of Consultation for KMKNO, and Patrick Butler, Senior Mi'kmaq Energy and Mines Advisor. And that's it for the program. Look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and introducing our new website, Mi'kmaqMatters.com. Mi'kmaq Matters is brought to you by producer Allison Baker, correspondent Greg James, researcher Hilary McInnes, and you, the listeners, who we thank for your financial support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Emson Okamata.